Welcome everyone to this um, podcast about Rossini's The Barber of Seville. And while normally it's me on my own, it's my very great pleasure uh, on this instance to be joined by Lindy Hume, our director. Lindy, it's great to have you back in Seattle. Lovely to be back here, Aidan. <laughs> Love Seattle. And so what is it with you and Rossini comedy? You I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I'm, I have, I do seem to have done quite a few of them now. Um, I love them. I do love them. And I, I, I have a lot of pleasure um, staging to that music. So it's, it's, it's nice uh, happenstance that I've directed quite a few of them in the recent times. Because obviously we had your amazing cantorie and you were back in the interim down in San Diego doing Cenerentola. Cenerentola, yeah. Which, which I'm doing next in Stockholm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's all. I'm the queen of Rossini at the moment. <laughs> well, we're great. it's great to have a queen here uh, <laughs> with us. Um, Barber is such a, a popular piece and so well known. Mm. What's it like as director? How do, you, how do you sit down and say, how can I just bring something to this which people don't know? Well, it is interesting. And that, and that, that very fact, the fact of it being so very famous and the fact of the particularly the baritone aria being the most famous entrance number probably ever. I do try and find alternate solutions to things that people know very, very well. We've just been staging one of the ensembles of complexity or, or you know, of con- being the whole cast being confounded at something and normally people just stop still and sing it. But I try to bring to each of those ensembles a, a kind of reality that is a different reality to the one that I saw last time, the one that I staged. This is my fourth production. Try to keep it, keep it live so that each time we come to something that is very famous, we can come at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Certainly Figaro's entrance, we're trying a few little tricks to undermine the expectations of the audience uh, for that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a, it becomes a sort of point of pride as a director to try and do something that hasn't been seen before. Um, I know a lot of our audiences, the first thing they ask me is, is it traditional? Mm. And, you know, this is a co-production um, between Opera Queensland and later New Zealand Opera. And so I, I had the great pleasure of going out to, to Brisbane t- to see it. And therefore, I should have been in a position to answer that question, mm-hmm. is it? And I found I couldn't because it seems to me you've captured brilliantly. You've created a world which is, uh, one hand, absolutely true and faithful to the piece and yet has a, a quirky originality. So it has its own world. Mm. It is not uh, provocatively um, modern in the sense of, of trying to pull it out of its milieu or pull it out of its um, um, its place or even its time, but it is it is it has a contemporary comedy sensibility because so does the audience. I mean, I think that's what's really important about it. This is no no normal uh, comic opera. This is a probably the most famous hmm. comic opera, absolutely. and it, and it is a sitcom. It's an absolutely classic sitcom. So um, to try and make those situations genuinely alive in a, in a contemporary way uh, within the milieu of, of Rossini's music is is the challenge but I think we we're, we're managing it and also what um, Tracy um, Grant Lord's beautiful design does it pays homage to that's that comic staple the door which yes. of course the Barbara of Seville is um, 
is all of, is an escape story. It's a story of a girl entrapped by her her guardian and the her lover Alma Viva who who would help her escape. So we need the the resistance to that escape is of course the locked door. Mm-hmm. We have a symphony of doors <laughs> and windows and so forth. So the door of course is offers a great deal of comic potential and windows and so forth. So we play with that a lot. Yes. And of course the door entering leaving is gives a speed to the action. Yeah. I and mean, it's the essence of farce is is in and out of doors and cupboards. Yeah. And things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know it's fun messing a little with the um, the music so that people people only just get on stage just in time to sing their lines. Right. So it's, <laughs> there are certain things that, that that I think have sped up. The world has sped up obviously and um, the way that we receive our comedy has has sped up, so it needs to stay very, very visually lively mm. and true to the the characters. And the characters aren't all just funny all the time. I mean, there's a lot of sadness in that house. I think Rosina, there are, I think a lot of lot of tears and tantrums and and a lot of frustration and and a and a kind of fairly horrible situation really where she, this young woman is is trapped by her circumstances and trapped by a whole lot of fusty old people that she just can't stand. So. Yeah. Um, it's there's there's a, a genuinely horrible situation to to fix by the end of it. Yeah, and you, you've captured that I think in the costuming choices you've made mm. as well. You seem to have two worlds going yeah, on. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit yeah. about that. Well, when we when we produced it last year at Opera Queensland, which is my company for a few more weeks in uh, uh, in, in Australia, we wanted to celebrate the 200th anniversary of the Barbara of Seville, which was 2016. And so we sort of decided to to span those two centuries in the production. So we go from um, the oldest character in the in the piece is is Ambrogio, who we think is two hundred years old, and then populate the those two centuries with the characters um, and their sort of um, fashion. So definitely the three younger characters, Figaro, Almaviva, and Rosina, have a very contemporary sensibility within a sort of Spanish vibe but they don't look they look modern but they also sit in very comfortably in this very colorful world whereas Bartolo, Basilio and Ambrogio particularly are kind of in another era in an older era and a sort of general the 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 story of the generation gap is made very clear one of the great tragic characters it seems to me of all opera is Berta Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. In, in <laughs> so a funny way. she's ignored by everyone, and this this fabulous aura she has when mm. she's going to be left on on the shelf, fearing mm. never getting married. Um, uh, what was your take on her? Well, I love those characters. I love I love characters who people overlook or sort of put to one side, uh, and then I like to put them dead centre. <laughs> yes. So I love the character of Berta, but I've got a bit of a thing about female characters and particularly female characters who seem to be in inverted commas unfortunate because uh, I think that that there's a sort of a construct of a kind of particularly patriarchal sort of society so I always always try and give those girls a good time somehow in the piece so in fact Berta and um, and Ambrogio who is 200 years old end up being featured quite heavily in in the latter part of the of the opera and have an absolute ball so there, there's a journey for Berta as well as um, as uh, Rosina Almaviva and uh, uh, and Figaro and all the other characters and she does in fact get her man at the end <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler alert yeah 
the basis of Beaumarchais' show was fundamentally the Commedia tradition, even though he's obviously writing in France, not in Italy. There's a physicality yeah. to it. And I, uh, I was interested in seeing it in Brisbane to see how you really played on the, f the need for performers who have a physicality. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you think that really helps for comedy? Oh, completely. This, yeah. oh, I, absolutely. I mean, th I think the days of Stan and Singh, th this stuff I are over because really you and, – and it's, it's almost um, impossible to find a cast that, that, that can't do, you know, really physicalise that stuff now because it's so completely expected. But, yeah, my productions are very physical. They, they tend to be – I guess it must be my, my dance misspent – youth <laughs> as a dancer they are quite physical and I do tend to try and keep particularly the big ensembles moving a lot physically moving a lot and the act one finale as you know Barbara Seville you know very well Aidan is a is an extended piece of craziness that just gets crazier and crazier and crazier so one needs to sort of phys physicalize that and yeah. visualize that as well and so the expectation of the singers is not that, that just that they'll sing this fiendishly difficult music, probably knowing Giacomo fiendishly fast tempi, <laughs> um, but that they, that they also move and do a whole lot of crazy stuff on stage at the same time. And, yeah, that's kind of the expectation. So thank you for a lovely cast. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> who can do all of those, um, those things with ease. One of the, for me, great highlights of the piece is not the famous Irish, but the storm. Mm. I love the storm. I love the storm too. Um, you know, normally I, I guess it's a, a look at the inside of what's going on in Rosina's mind, really. But how's your storm going to pan out? Well, I mean, I think this, the storm is the uh, the storm is the the chaos that surrounds the whole. You know, it's like it's the the, the metaphor of the cr the crisis, the the kind of yeah. the, the, the explosion that after which things become calm. You know. Um, so we have to have everything, everything. We pull out all the stops in the storm <laughs> and uh, we have, um, yeah, pretty much everyone hits the stage at some point in the, st in the storm. Lots of doors and, and windows doing lots of opening and closing and it becomes quite a, yeah, it's a bit like noises off, I guess. There's a lot of people miss just missing each other and so it's a kind of beautiful things to stage, to music is a, is a storm scene. Um, and, of course, because you're in an interior and, and th there's this big storm going on outside, so how do you make that work? But uh, we have a very magical cupboard in our production from which a whole lot of interesting things emerge, <laughs> yes. including the storm. The Barbara Seville, the Barbara Seville is Figaro and he has his extraordinary entrance aria, then one of the problems it seems to be in the piece, and something which I thought you overcome amazingly in, when I saw it in Brisbane, is keeping Figaro as the central character. Mm. So often I've gone to Barber and he gets the final bow because he is the Barber Seville, and you've kind of forgotten him because our interest has gone mm. towards the Count and Rosina. Mm. How do you keep his interest for, for the public? Well, I think, th I think the interesting thing about Figaro is the reality is he he doesn't really sort that much out at all. He actually lets the ca gives the count permission to dress as a as a soldier and a drunken soldier, but he has absolutely no it gives him no coaching whatsoever. <laughs> the the count goes completely nuts as a drunken soldier and then uh, it seems to me takes it upon himself to to dress as a priest. So he's he's sort of created a monster in many ways, but I think what's so fun about Figaro is that 
he's, it's not a well thought through plan. Things do go terribly wrong. He hasn't got all the details sorted out and so he has to sort of fix things up. So the important thing with, the one thing I really hate when I see the production of the Barbersville is that there's the idea of Figaro being completely in control of everything and super suave and super smooth. I feel like he should be always absolutely on the edge of getting every, of things going completely wrong, completely pear-shaped, so that he always has that kind of energy of busking it or just just scraping things in rather than being completely um, on top of on top of his craft. Yeah, I think he's just making it till he faking it till he makes it and he fakes it pretty well, I think. It's it's like in the marriage figure. He he He's, maybe he initiates the plot, but he's pretty soon four paces behind yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. As, as the whole opera moves and he on. does come in, you know, halfway through act, the Act One finale when it is well underway, and he comes in halfway through, and, and it, everything has already gone gone wrong. So he just kind of goes along for. And again, same thing with the, the shaving scene. All of those scenes, yes. he he doesn't actually fix anything yes. and then he takes credit for it at the end he says look what i've done and you think well actually you didn't do any <laughs> of that stuff so i think the thing is it's about that character and i'm in the sort of uh rather than the suave mover and shaker uh figaro i'm more in the sort of jack black or um you know bill murray kind of s- slightly fraudulently being there <laughs> That's right. i mean there is an element of social critique mm. which carries over from the play where there's not the level there is in, in the marriage figure, but they're still there. The idea of poverty, the fact that he's trying to eke his way, money is important mm. and obviously isn't to, to the aristocracy. How much of that can you really bring in without damaging the, the poise and fun of the evening? Oh, I think, I, I think there are certain scenes where, where it's, it's, it is important. I think that the meeting of the Count and Figaro at, in the beginning when they when they first encounter each yeah. other, I always feel it's really strange that they sort of, often in productions, they sort of fall into each other's arms and say, hey, mate, how are you? And in, when in fact there's been a very f- difficult parting. Totally clear, yeah. yes. Yeah, yes. That, that they, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That there's really an edge between not, them. Yeah. M- not, not friends at all and sort of thrown together in, a, in this, this need for I, each I other. I always think that the fact that Figaro wants money is the aristocrats don't carry money with mm, them it's mm. it, and it's i think also the count looks at him with disdain at that yeah. moment but he it's d- it's cheap to need money yes, to survive exactly. well, indeed. Need, he doesn't need to survive the count yeah but that but he's mm. he's a businessman and he's i mean he, he is the new world he yeah. is the he is the the self-made man he's the entrepreneur he's the he's the the future really um and uh and i think what he take what I, one of the things i love about the character of figure is he takes it upon himself also to to um undermine that that sort of enti- sense of entitlement that sense of sort of the aristocratic bearing and so forth of the of the count by choosing to make him a a poor student then b <laughs> um a drunken soldier so he's kind of teaching him a lesson at the yes, same time exactly. saying you know come back come off your pedestal and behave like the rest of the world and then you might see something interesting so yeah i mean there are a couple of opportunities it's mostly about motivation but i think also the idea of figaro just being absolutely out and proud and saying just i want you know but the count does this kind of plays into that too by saying look i doesn't i don't care what it costs i have to get this girl Mm. so so here's a blank check figaro and figaro thinks okay you're on, and but doesn't really have a very good plan to start with, and he makes it up as he goes along. 
it's a wonderful situation to play. It's great for the boys, the the two guys playing Figaro and and Alma Viva because they're just they're, they're just de- delighting in the sort of scratchiness of it, the yeah. sort of old master servant re- relationship and the servant having having it over the master. And of course, um, we drop down the social class when we meet Bartolo, mm. but he behaves in a kind of crusty way to the same attitude. He he disapproves of trade because mm. he's a profession. Mm. What do we think of Bartolo? Are we sorry for him at the end? I mean, within the terms of comedy, it's teaching Bartolo a lesson. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think so. I mean, I do think. You know, he does spend a lot of his time make, being making an absolute idiot of himself, basically trying to be of the same era, uh, trying to trying to make himself young, trying to make himself lovable, which of course isn't ever going to work for him and I do feel it's a bit pathetic um, and I think we have moments where we see that it is pathetic but I think he's also a bit of an ogre in in lots mm-hmm. of ways too so uh, yeah those two characters Bartolo and Basilio I think they are um, there for a purpose they're there to to sort of show the the force of 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 you know that the society in which Rosina is, mm. is trapped so I don't think anything is just one thing or another I don't think he's just funny or just just pathetic or just an ogre I think he's a, a he's a kind of complex character as they all are there I mean I think it's a really mistake to think of them as just comedic absolutely characters. absolutely and and that surely uh, you you still my thunder that's that's precisely that's why it's such a great piece that mm. it's so often done in a in a bland vanilla way where mm. people are essentially caricatures but actually if you delve into those characters mm. there are nuances there mm. and you you create a, a piece which is Quietly subversive and quite and very mm. thought-provoking. If you really think about what's going on, yeah. Well, that's what we 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 try we try to do. But at the same time, I mean, one needs to sort of ride both those horses of of making a a, a comedy, yeah. you know, yummy comedy, delicious souffle type comedy, but also having this streak of of steel through it. Uh, that is that is uh, you know making making those social points yeah. yeah and also those characters if you know the more you can layer them and and um, make them more complex the more interesting they are for the artists to play Absolutely. and the more interesting for those for the audience to to enjoy and think about you know you shouldn't really come out of the Barbara Seville and not and just think, oh, wasn't that hilarious? You, I mean, that that would be optimal. But you also want them to think, actually, that was there were some things in there that I didn't expect and I didn't think yeah. about before. What do you want your audience to leave the theatre feeling? You know, I'm a I'm a bit of a heart on my sleeve girl, and I do think that the end of a Rossini opera is a thing of great joy and great great you know life affirming spirit really and I do think that the triumph of love is is a really lovely thing to celebrate just generally I mean I love it with Cenerentola it's the triumph of goodness which is um god knows we all need a a, a more of that but um I think um I think the the notion of young love triumphing um it with all of its bittersweet fallout for the older characters it's certainly something that we celebrated in the last the last five minutes of the of the opera is very vivid and bright and jo- joyful. So yes, we, we don't want to spoil it for no, people. No, no, but, but we'll, spe- we'll, we'll send them out into the, into the night feeling happy for the, the young lovers. And I think that's exactly how I went out when I saw a production, what, what was it, just over a year ago, yeah. uh, in Brisbane. It, it's um, incredibly, you do come out full of joy. You, yeah, you feel that one. somehow there's some positivity in the world. Some problems can get solved mm. and amicable 
solutions can be found. Yeah, um, which is nice. Uh, it's kind of where you want to untangle all of that mess and the kind of the, the, the tensions of Act One and being resolved in Act Two. It's a part of the one's the joy in one's job. Yeah. Well, Lindy, I mean, you've only been with us not even a week. <laughs> We're at the end of the <laughs> first week of rehearsal, and already I get from um, the buzz in the rehearsal room and the the enjoyment on the faces of singers as they're working through the process. I get this huge sense of fun and, and oh, enjoyment. And I know that's going to transfer to our audiences as oh, well. So good. it's really fantastic to have you back um, a, year, a year after Gunnery. <laughs> and we're looking forward to seeing opening night. Thank you. I'm, I'm me too. And I hope everybody has a great time. <laughs>